Hey, it's Pablo here to send you into your weekend, which is well deserved, with one of the most fascinating and bizarre and now suddenly timely stories that we've brought to you this year. Because in this episode, Brian Windhorst unravels a medical mystery that started quietly last year in a bathroom at the Tokyo Olympics, giving rise to all sorts of funny viral headlines. And then deathly serious concern that the career and the life of NBA veteran Aaron Baines, one of Australia's most trusted big men, would never be the same. So with Aaron Baines making new headlines in the past week, we tell the story of why all of this is a way bigger deal than you realized. It is Friday, July 15th. This is ESPN Daily. So, Brian, where does this story begin? Begins in Saitama, Japan, Pablo, which is about 20 miles outside of Tokyo, which is where they played the Olympic basketball tournament at the Tokyo Olympics in a giant football stadium. And the basketball portion of the court was pushed a very, very long way uh, away from the locker rooms. And so getting to the locker room from the bench area was like getting from the end zone in a football stadium to the other end zone with two staircases in between. That is where Aaron Baines, a center from Australia, who had been in the NBA for um, you know a handful of seasons, that is the ground that he had to traverse in his short rest period in the third quarter of a very important Olympic pool uh, play game for the Boomers team. He had to go to the bathroom. The game was close. He's their best big man, and he wanted to run to the bathroom and get back so that he wouldn't miss when his coach called him to go into the game. And so he ran across the court, ran up a flight of stairs, down the other side, cornered right into the locker room, and disappeared. And minutes passed. And the fourth quarter came. And the coach of the team looked down the bench, ready to put uh, Baines back in and Baines wasn't there and the players were looking around where's Bainesy so one of the team support staff went on the long journey to the bathroom same staircase that Baines went up and down went into the bathroom calling his name Aaron Aaron Bainesy Bainesy and what he found on the tile floor of the shower bathroom area was the six foot ten Aaron Baines laying on the ground, holding his head, moaning, with two very strange puncture marks on his upper arm that were bleeding. What happened after that proved to be one of the strangest stories I've ever heard and the most harrowing experience of Aaron's life. Brian Windhorst, you were our guy in Tokyo this summer. You covered the Olympics. You covered Team USA basketball, which took home the gold. But months after returning, you 
recently filed another report about something that happened during the Tokyo Games that I don't think most people know about. And it's kind of the most interesting thing that actually happened over there. And it all involved a player on the Australian national basketball team named Aaron Baines. Yeah, um, you know, I, I definitely paid very close attention to the Australian team. Um, I knew that they were going to potentially be the Americans' number one opponent uh, in the Tokyo Games. Um, when I learned that Baines had gotten hurt and had gotten hurt and, in fact, been ruled out of the rest of the Olympics, I tried, as you can imagine, tried to learn more about it. And I quickly realized that nobody really knew what was going on. It was a story that I waited five months to learn about. Mm. I kept in touch with Aaron's agent and basically told him if Aaron's willing and ready to tell this story, I want to, I want to hear it. It took Aaron a long time to get to a place where he felt comfortable sharing. And I had no idea what I was going to hear when I got him on the phone, when he was in Brisbane with every sentence, my mouth felt like it dropped more and more. I want to just rewind and explain for people who aren't so familiar with Aaron Baines, who is he? Like, what's his path been like through basketball? Yes, so he was born in New Zealand, but moved to Australia at a young age and came up through the uh, Australia development system, which is known for um, really finding players when they're young and gearing them into programs that can develop their talents. Played basketball in the U.S. in college at Washington State but didn't immediately go to the NBA, had a career in Australia first. And as he kind of got older and as the league um, looked for uh, big men who had the capability to, to shoot a little bit and be a little bit more, uh, uh, more multi-talented than the traditional uh, bigs, uh, the San Antonio Spurs, as they have for decades, found him overseas and signed him to a contract and developed him on the end of their bench as one of their just latest uh, in a long line of international uh, players that they develop. I was kind of talking to a few different teams and I think there were four or five teams I was talking to and then San Antonio came and I was like, okay, that was it. That was the end of the conversation. <laughs> Soon they said they wanted me to come there. I knew it was the perfect place for someone like me. So he was never drafted, but brought into uh, the Spurs and learned the NBA game alongside guys like Tim Duncan uh, from coaches like Greg Popovich and really became a valuable role player as a big man in the NBA. Drops it down to Baines. Aaron, the turnaround. Off the window. Wow, he likes that glass. To Baines underneath. Oh, Baba! Oh, cherry on top! Well, I'm telling you. There's your exclamation point. Right yeah, ends up beating guys like LeBron James, winning that title in 2014, beating the Miami Heat. But in terms of, like... Australia as this basketball power. I mean, it wasn't always that Australia would be the place to go panning for gold, but clearly something generationally had changed in recent decades. For sure. You know, um, there started to be some players that would start to be developed at the high school level and some uh, colleges started recruiting that way and they went and, and got these guys, um, starting really with Andrew Bogut, who was a transformational player for uh, Australian basketball, played at Utah, and then was the number one overall pick. With the first pick in the 2005 NBA draft, the Milwaukee Bucks select Andrew Bogut from Australia and the University of Utah. 
these players who are on this team, you know, in large part are contemporaries of Bogut. Uh, players like Patty Mills, who played college basketball in the U.S., uh, Joe Ingles. Ingles to go back. Matthew Delavadova, who was a star in us at St. Mary's in California. These are part of the golden generation of Australian basketball, and Baines was a part of that. Uh, Baines was was one of these guys who really became known uh, nationally in Australia uh, before he turned 18 because they saw him as a guy who could do something that had been long desired by the country, which is win uh, a, a medal in the Olympics. And so in this competition that clearly matters to this entire country, they wind up at halftime of their first game of the Olympics against Nigeria. This is three days before the climactic matchup that you referred to at the top of the show against the Italians. And Aaron Baines, the center, he comes out to warm up for the second half. But what happens? So as you can imagine, Pablo, in Tokyo at the time with the coronavirus provisions, the Japanese were really encouraging uh, all kinds of countermeasures. And one of them all over the Saitama Super Arena were these hand sanitizer dispensers. Um, dispensers that you would go uh, push a pedal with your foot and they would you know, shoot uh, the sanitizer out on your hands. And they really encouraged with large signs and numerous of the dispensers, encouraged everybody who came into the arena bowl, whether it was on the court or in the stands, to sanitize their hands as you walked in. So Aaron Baines did that. He stepped on the pedal and got hand sanitizer and was rubbing his hands as he came on the court to warm up. I will say that one of the things that I noticed about sort of the Olympic-issued hand sanitizer is that it was was watery. It was a lot more Mm. watery than... um, what I am used to in the United States, the sort of Purell, uh, it's, which is more viscous. And it did take longer to sort of rub it in. And Baines was rubbing his hands and he went to war- start his warm-up for the second half. And as is his personal tradition, he went to dunk. Well, as he went up for this dunk, his hands were still moist and they slipped on the rim. And he lost his balance. And instead of landing on his feet, he landed on his head and neck. It stunned his teammates. They couldn't believe what had happened. Uh, it was a very scary-looking fall. Obviously, the team was concerned about it. And so, as a precaution, they had him sit out the second half of that game. He swallowed a couple of handfuls of Advil and kept on the mission of trying to help his team win a medal. So three days later is this game against Italy. And so for the first three quarters of that one, how was Aaron Baines looking on the court? He was looking great. Um, It was actually the best he had looked for the Australian team all summer. Um, The Italians were the first serious test, and he had scored 14 points in just 14 minutes of playing. Baines, well fed, and throws it down with authority. And so 
not only was this a big step up for uh, the Australians in terms of competition, Baines was taking a step up and uh, and delivering some of the best basketball he had played ever in an international competition for the team. So Aaron is playing great, but then, Ryan, he runs off for this quick break and he winds up being gone so long that his team goes looking for him. And when they find him, as you told us up top, having fallen in the bathroom, Aaron Baines is groggy and there are these two puncture wounds on his bicep. What does everyone do at that point? So initially, they thought that he had maybe slipped and fallen uh, and perhaps had a concussion. Um, they looked around and noticed that there were two hooks on the wall where you would hang towels. And those kind of looked like they could have been the, the source of the puncture wounds. So they thought, well, maybe he crashed into this wall. Um, and, you know, there was some concern uh, about, you know, everything. And they just wanted to make sure that before they moved him, that he was okay. And uh, he had actually asked for his phone and taken photos of his the puncture wounds and of the blood on his jersey and text some people to let him know what was going on. He found out that his team had gotten the game under control and was soon going to be in there celebrating a victory, and he started to calm down a little bit. But then his legs started to tingle, and then he couldn't really move his left hand and his arm. That started to really concern him and the doctor and paramedics there. Then he realized that the whole reason why he wanted to go there in the first place was to go to the bathroom. Mm. And Pablo, he still had to go to the bathroom. Right. And so uh, he stood up and immediately fell to the ground. His legs weren't working. And over the course of the next 10 to 15 minutes, he really started to deteriorate his teammates were coming into the locker room now. Yes, they had just won this game, but they also were wondering, you know, one by one, hey, what's going on with Bainesy? And the belief, the the concern emanating out of that bathroom area got the whole team very concerned because pretty soon it was clear that their teammate was going to be needed to be taken out of there on a stretcher. So Team Australia, Brian, has just won this big game against Italy. They're moving on in the Olympics. That's all good. But while the team is processing that, they're also watching Aaron Baines now get carried off on this stretcher, and no one seems to really know what's going on. Yeah, you know, they were wondering, hey, is he going to be okay for the next game? And then they were like, is he going to be okay altogether? And so they ended up rushing him out of there into an ambulance into a nearby hospital. This is an incredibly difficult memory for Aaron when I talked to him, because you can imagine uh, your body is starting to shut down. You can no longer feel or use all of your limbs. You are in a foreign country that doesn't speak your language. And because of very strict coronavirus provisions, your teammates and coaches can't come with you. You have no family members there. 
you are in a Japanese ambulance going to a Japanese hospital, essentially by yourself, getting into an MRI machine and CAT scan machines um, with people who can't communicate with you, waiting to find out how seriously you may be injured. It was the beginning of a very dark time. He's also six foot ten in a country that is not built for people of that height. And just in this room that was so small that he could have reached out with his hands and touched the two walls on either side of him easily, just crying by himself in the dark. And to be in that moment and not have anybody, not have anybody to connect with, was incredibly scary. All right, coming up, Aaron Baines gets answers to his medical mystery. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. And you know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. I know I have. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. So, Brian, Aaron Baines, the veteran NBA big man, is in this terrifying situation you've described for us where he has no control, his body is breaking down, he has very little information, what do the doctors eventually tell him is actually going on? What's their diagnosis? The Japanese doctors came in with the results of the scan, spoke to his interpreter. His interpreter gave him the news. The reason that he was having the tingling, the reason he had lost strength in his legs, is because he was bleeding internally and it was putting pressure on his spine. And was it clear where this happened, Brian, what the cause of the internal bleeding had been? No. And that's what was one of the scariest things of all is that the neurologists, both in Japan and later in Australia, didn't know. Did he suffer an injury that caused the bleeding when he slipped dunking in the game a few days prior? Mm. Did he suffer it when he slipped and fell in the bathroom? Did the fall that he had when he was trying to dunk cause an injury that precipitated his fall later? Were they unrelated? Nobody knows. Uh, Unfortunately, with this type of injury, there's not a lot of clarity. And getting clarity was something you can imagine that his family and friends desperately wanted. Um, They were spread throughout the world, Pablo. His agent, uh, his longtime agent and one of his closest friends, Daniel Moldovan, he was in New York. Meanwhile, his wife and children in Australia, uh, his wife Rachel, was, as you can imagine, distraught, desperately trying to get information. And not only was there a lack of information and a difficulty with time zones and and language, but they weren't permitted to come to his side. At that time, 
um, there was no way for them to be admitted into Japan. And so Aaron Baines is alone, Brian. Your reporting here is that it was basically impossible to get in touch with any of his friends or loved ones. And the doctors, meanwhile, are saying that he has this internal bleeding that is putting pressure on his spinal cord. What were the next steps? The Japanese doctors wanted to do surgery immediately. They felt that time was of the essence and felt that, you know, doing surgery would be able to be the best treatment. Well, as you can imagine, that was very scary. Uh, the concept of having that kind of surgery done in another country by people he didn't know. And so there was a strong effort made to get consultations elsewhere. And finally, in the middle of the night, around two in the morning, um, he ended up on the phone with an Australian neurosurgeon. And the doctor looked at the MRI and said, Aaron, I've seen this condition before, and I have a plan of treatment for you. You don't need to get surgery. We can give you some medicine and some physical therapy, and we're going to get you home. So the mission at that point, Brian, is to just get Aaron Baines stable enough to make the 12-hour flight back to Australia from Tokyo. But what's going on as he's recuperating and he's trying to get well enough to get on that plane? Well, the drugs that they were giving him were very strong and instantaneously would knock him out. But as you can imagine, he very much cared about how the Australian team was performing. So once he was stabilized, he, would, he was able to instruct the nurses, don't give him the medication until after the Team Australia games mm. because he wanted to be conscious. But the problem was with that type of injury, that type of uh, nerve pain that he was feeling, it was agonizing. He described it as the combination of burning, fire, and knives poking through his skin, like hundreds of needles going up and down his body. And he just had to, to bear it because he knew each day of therapy that he could do would get him closer to the ability to, to stand and the ability to get out of that hospital. So we're at like 10 days after the accident now, Brian, because Australia, in these games that Aaron Baines is watching, from the hospital, his body on fire, he's watching them win the bronze medal, defeating Slovenia. Yeah, so the Australian team had a great run in the Olympics and were able to win their first ever medal um, and getting the bronze medal, beating Luka Doncic and the Slovenians. At this point, he had stabilized, and the um, officials at the hospital told him he was allowed to have one visit per day from the coach uh, or uh, the team Australia team doctor. Um, and so after the Australians won the bronze, um, two of his teammates, Matthew Delavadova and Nathan Sobey, pretended to be doctors. Uh, even <laughs> even months later, as he was telling me this, he was apologetic, knowing that they don't like rule breakers in Japan. And no, not during COVID, Brian. Impersonating a doctor during the time of COVID doesn't seem like the greatest thing. But wait, yeah. but wait, you're telling me Dr. Delavadova <laughs> successfully infiltrated this hospital? When I talked to, to Deli, as he's known, um, about this, Deli couldn't even believe that Aaron told me this story. He's like, he told you that? <laughs> um, but they they not only snuck in, um, 
Aaron joked that maybe Delhi had gotten an online degree, <laughs> um, but they snuck in and they brought with them his bronze medal. You know, Aaron is a very big, strong, tough, giant man. He takes elbows to the solar plexus and doesn't blink. He gets need to the groin and never changes his emotion. Yes. And that's who his teammates had always known him as being, as being this mountain of a man who was a rock. They came in. He obviously was a shell of the man that they knew. They produced the bronze medal, this journey that all of them had been on for their country for a decade plus. And they sat there in the room and cried. That emotional long journey was both in its happiness and its sadness, one of the memories that Aaron and those two players will forever have with him. Up next, Aaron Baines finally returns home, but his journey is far from over. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So, Brian, when did things actually get better for Aaron Baines? He was finally able to stand. And not only that, but stack several cups on top of each other with his hands. He was so excited that he had accomplished that, that he called his wife on FaceTime. And when she answered, his wife was holding their six-month-old daughter, who obviously Aaron was missing terribly. And the six-month-old was learning to stack cups as well. Mm. Everybody had another cry at that moment. It meant that he was going to be able, Pablo, to fly home. But this was not going to be any normal flight. He had to charter a plane to do it uh, because of the liability. Uh, The airlines wouldn't take the liability of him traveling. So it's a 4,000-mile trip from Tokyo to Brisbane where he lives. Mm. And it cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to charter a plane. And... It was determined by the doctors and by the charter company that the only way that they would do it 
is if Aaron was completely anesthetized for the flight. So for the entire eight hours, he had a doctor and a nurse with him, and he was put to sleep under on this plane just to get back to Brisbane. And if there's a country that's stricter than Japan when it comes to coronavirus, it's Australia. Yeah. Despite his status and situation and, you know, returning a hero, he had to go into an immediate two-week quarantine. So even though he was home, man, he was unable to see his wife and children. So after two weeks, he can see, finally, he can hug his wife and children, but when does he actually get to leave the hospital in Brisbane? He was in the hospital for about a month. Um, he attempted at one point to go home and leave, and he had a miserable first attempt to go home. And he had, and he said one of the lowest moments of the whole time, he had to ask to go back to the hospital at the end of the first day at home. There was a process of dealing with weakness, uh, particularly in his um, in his left leg, which is where he seemed to have the most trouble. And so it was a process of learning to walk again, going from wheelchair to walker to cane, um, reteaching his body how to move step by step, reteaching his feet how to fall and work in sync. For a man who was a pro athlete at the top of his game, um, it was an extremely humbling and uh, and obviously painstaking process. And how long does it take, Brian, for Aaron Baines to finally be able to like run again? When does he get to pick up a basketball again? Yeah, it took months, Pablo. Um, it was a real difficult recovery. He was very aggressive in, in attacking his, uh, his rehab. Uh, you know, this was an event that some people would say would pretty much end his NBA and even basketball career. And he never felt that he always had the desire to try to recover in time to return to play basketball. And so he got stronger and eventually was able to start running, um, even though it wasn't the most beautiful run. But once he was able to run um, without pain and, and to run without falling, quite frankly, for a, a full week, he rewarded himself by picking up a basketball for the first time. And that was in uh, January. The, the, the country didn't know this story. This story wasn't told until we told it. And so a lot of people in Australia just said, what happened to Aaron Baines? He just, he was playing in a game against Italy. He never came back. He's not playing in the NBA. He's not playing in Australia. Where is he? And so it wasn't until he could pick up a basketball and, and take a few shots that he was willing to come out in public. He actually, his first public appearance was at a Brisbane Bullets game in the uh, NBL, the, the, the Australian Basketball League, in January when he felt that he was comfortable enough uh, letting his guard down and, and showing his face again. Brian, Aaron Baines turned 35 during this ordeal. He has a December birthday. The next month, he picks up a basketball for the first time. But I'm just curious where he wants to go next with this. I mean, he was with the Raptors. He got cut amid all of this medical mystery stuff before it got revealed by your reporting. What does he want to do next? He wants to get back and play in the NBA. I don't know what the reality of that is. I mean, he is at the age where it's going to be difficult, even if he was 100% healthy. Um, but that is definitely his goal. And if it doesn't work out in the NBA, I think 
the Australian League would be an option. But the fact that this can even be a discussion, that he could even have the, uh, the opportunity to think about returning to a career, is an indication that A, his recovery has gone really well, and that he got lucky. Uh, Pablo, that this injury was was d- discovered when it was discovered, that the, you know he got the correct treatment, and that he's been able to improve and get better. And so, whether his basketball career is at an end or not, you could just tell by talking to him that his ability to return and play basketball is really uh, a huge step forward from where he was laying in that Tokyo hospital, unsure, frankly, if he was going to be able to walk again. So I asked him, I said, do you think that's in your future, that you can get back to that level? And he was quiet for a second and was very sort of frank. And he said, I don't know what my path is going to look like, but I'm going to give it one hell of a crack. Ryan Winhorst, thank you for giving this podcast pretty much that same treatment. Thank you, Pablo, and especially thank you to Aaron for sharing his story with me. Since we recorded this episode, Aaron Baines has not only made very clear that he is serious about a comeback, a week ago today, he showed up in Las Vegas at Summer League after almost a year of rehab and recovery to participate in an on-court workout for a gym full of NBA general managers and scouts. And at the time of this update, he is still out there waiting and working for one more crack. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And our show is produced by Bradford Craig, Alexander Hyacinth, Mike Johns, Heather Lombardo, Ryan Nantel, Mike Philbrick, Andy Tennant, Chris Tuminello, and Aaron Vale. Special thanks this week to Russ Danalo, Andre Soto, Jalen Harris, Ty Reeves, and Jackson Angelo. I'll talk to you Monday. <laughs>